This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. God bless you. Grab a seat. It is great to see you with about two weeks until Christmas Day. Two weeks and it's here, ready or not. And I was thinking this week, and I'm just kind of curious. I know there are a lot of different traditions people have around Christmas. And so when it comes to lights on the outside of your house, some people are like, we want the white lights. Some people like the colorful lights. How many colorful light people? Okay. Don't, don't be embarrassed. Like, own it. How many, man, I like the white lights. Okay. Okay. Uh, another question. And this one's probably pretty simple. Eggnog, no eggnog. How many of you love eggnog? Eggnog is the only drink you can chew while you drink it. It's that thick. How many of you say, no, I hate eggnog? Yeah, it's one of those things. There's not a lot of room in between. And then some people open presents Christmas Eve. Some people open presents Christmas Day. How many of you are Christmas Eve people? That's when we do the presents. Okay, a few of you, a few of you, y'all in the colorful light people, small crowd. How many of you do it Christmas Day? Like, that's most of you. That's most. And then real tree, artificial tree. How many real tree people? Okay, how many artificial tree people? <laughs> wow, look at you. We used to always do the real tree because I love the smell, but you get about 8 billion pine leaves all over the house. You're still finding them in May, and that's a little bit challenging. And then the price of trees, like, well, really, trees, milk, avocados, gas, er- everything. And so we're like, let's invest in an artificial tree. That's just, that's just how we roll. One of the things about Christmas is there's such a focus on Christmas, and we're all entering into the season that is Christmas. But I want to ask you a question, and this morning, what I'm going to talk about just for the next few minutes, I think, honestly, is one of the most important issues we could ever wrap our minds around. This issue, I think, is what creates a whole lot of stagnant in people's spiritual lives. This issue is what causes us to feel like when we pray, it's just bouncing off the ceiling. This issue is the thing that makes us wonder sometimes in the difficult seasons of life, do I really know God or is this even real? Because we're entering into a season. But on December 26th, How will it make a difference? What will it mean? You go all the way back to the very first Christmas. A baby is born, and growing up in church, if you grew up in church like I did, we're taught, man, you need a Savior. You need to pray a prayer and invite Jesus to come into your life. If you did not grow up in church, or maybe you're new to church, maybe you're a guest this morning, man, I want you to know I'm thrilled that you're here. In the life of C3, you really do matter. Your future is our focus. I'm thrilled you're here. But if you didn't grow up in church, what you need to know about people in a church context is the whole drive is, man, when you get old enough, you need to pray a prayer and invite Jesus to come into your life as your Savior. And that is a big deal. Like, that changes everything. That, that's the eternity changer. That changes your destiny. It invites the presence of God to live in your life. Huge deal. But I wonder... I wonder if we focus so much on Jesus being our Savior that we miss the reality 
that he's our king. A king was born. The Christian faith is not just about inviting Jesus to come into my life and forgive my sin, and then there's heaven after this life. It's so much more than that. You and I have been invited to know a king, to be an heir to his kingdom. And there is a big difference in just praying a prayer and entering in and actually participating in. We've been invited to do more than just pray a prayer and enter in and then just kind of live our own lives however we want, hoping that after this life it's all going to work out and hopefully that prayer meant something and hopefully the gospel's true and hopefully Jesus is in my life and I'm going to heaven. And, and we kind of wrap our minds into believing something when we're called to do so much more than believe. The message of Christmas, the message of our faith, is something we're called to participate in, not just believe in. The early church, you have the four gospels in what's called the New Testament. The Bible's divided into two sections, Old Testament before the life of Jesus, New Testament, the birth of Jesus, his life, and then the launching of the church, which happens in the book of Acts. We read about that. As, As we look at the book of Acts and see what God's doing in the church's launching, the early believers, we might call them, the early Christ followers, the early Christians, they did not separate believing and participating. If you believed, you participated. A king is born. We read in Matthew chapter 2, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, this is King Herod, where is the Messiah? where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Out of you will come a king, a ruler, but he's going to look different than any king you've ever known. Instead of dominate, he's going to shepherd. Instead of demand that people serve him, He's going to serve people, and he's going to usher in a kingdom that you and I are invited to be a part of. And when all you do is pray a prayer to make sure eternity is taken care of, hopefully, and to make sure that you don't have to worry about going to hell, you you pray a prayer because you want your sins forgiven. But for so many people, that is the extent of our spiritual lives. You enter in, but you don't participate in. And when you opt out, you miss out. Verse 7, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship. As soon as you figure this out, Bethlehem, it's only six miles away. I want you to go, and when you find him, tell me where he is so that I can worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. On coming to the house, he's no longer in a manger. He's no longer in a stable. Theologians believe that Joseph and Mary and 
little Jesus stayed in the area. Now they're in a house. They have settled in. They've been in the area about a year to a year and a half. On coming to the house, they saw the child. He's not a baby in a manger anymore with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. They bowed to a child like he would bow to a king. They worshiped a child like you would worship a God. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Here's another one we can ask. Route or route? How many route people? How many route people? Okay, I said it wrong. That's awesome. (laughs) Actually, I didn't. I'm from Texas. That's where new words begin. We make stuff up and everybody just rolls with it. But (laughs) they, they went by another route. When Herod realized he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. Why? Because Herod is the king. And if you're being told a king has been born, that's regime change. Your future is threatened. Now you're in trouble because when a king is born, everybody has to choose. Are you following this king or that king? Who is your king? When Herod realized he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders, listen, to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he learned from the Magi. Herod was not a sit back and let's see what happens kind of guy. He is a planner. He is a schemer. He was an architect. He rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem. He's been a powerful man. At this point, he has been in charge for over 40 years, and kingdoms, kings did not last typically in that culture that long. But that's because he initiates, he takes action, he plans, he schemes, and so he figures out based on the time frame, oh, the kid is about this old now, let's just kill them all. Doesn't that sort of ruin the Christmas story? I mean, why, why is that necessary to mention in this story? Maybe because it's not a Christmas story. Maybe because it's the story of a birth of a king and what actually happened. Herod is furious. This tells me that our trust in Christ and our faith does not call us to ignore cruelty and pain in the world. Cruelty and pain, unfair things happening, bad things happening to good people has always been a part of history since sin entered the world. And Jesus is born as a king and he's going to launch this kingdom where he invites you and I to be a part and to participate in the kingdom and not ignore the horrible things that happen in the world but do everything we can to pray about them and to be an answer to them. He's inviting people to be a part of a kingdom where people love the unlovable, where people are kind to those that are unkind. How much strength, how much spiritual maturity, how good of a person do you have to be to be nice to somebody that's nice to you? You don't even have to know God to do that. But this this is an elevated life. This is a different level of living. 
And he's inviting us to participate in something because there is hurt and pain in the world, because there are horrific things that happen to good people. He's inviting us to be a part of stepping into those lives and being a light that shines in the darkness. It's part of this story. In fact, it's one of the reasons that I believe the Bible's the Word of God. Because if this was all made up, you wouldn't put this part in. What's the point? But the Bible is ruthlessly honest about things that happen in history and lays out the truth that is indisputable, facts that happen. On the day after that first Christmas, very few people, knew Jesus was a king. Herod asked, where's the Messiah to be born? Herod had no problem believing Jesus was a king. Jesus was the Messiah. He had no problem believing that. Herod had no problem with people asking for forgiveness. In fact, he rebuilt the temple so people could go in and offer sacrifices and be forgiven. Herod's mentality was, practice your religion, be forgiven, talk to God, Function in your religion, but obey me. There was no problem with believe all the right things. It's just, where is your allegiance? That word Messiah is Hebrew for the king or the anointed one or the final king. In the Greek, the word is Christ. And we talked last week about how Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is not an adjective. Christ is a title. He is the king, the final king, the one that God had talked about. So the early church, in fact, it's about 40 years after the birth of Jesus. Word begins to spread in other areas about this king who was born and lived a uniquely different life. He he spoke words that were so profound they had the ability to change people's lives, but so simple that even children could understand what he was saying. It's about 40 years later and about 300 miles north in a city called Antioch, the third largest city in the Roman Empire, where the church takes off. And the gospel, which literally means good news, the good news that Jesus was born as a savior and a king, and promises to forgive our sin if we invite him into our lives. But, but it's not just about entering in. It's about participating in the kingdom of God and growing in my faith. And the church at Antioch took off. And, and Scripture tells us the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now, that term Christians was not a religious term. It was a political term. Those who followed King Herod were called Herodians. It, it was a term identifying who you followed. It wasn't a religious, I prayed a prayer, I asked God to forgive me of my sins, I'm good, I'm going to live my life like I want. No, no, no. This says, hey, my allegiance belongs to Jesus. And there is no allegiance without obedience. Entering in, I prayed a prayer, asked God to forgive me of my sins. I want to make sure if heaven and hell are really real, I want to make sure I'm not going to hell. I want to make sure I've got heaven locked up, so I pray to prayer. But when it comes to my marriage, I'm in charge. When it comes to my finances, I'm going to do what I want. 
when it comes to how I live, how I treat people. I'm in charge. That's not participating in. You have been invited by a God who says you can call him Father to participate in a kingdom that is different than anything the world has ever known. That church in Antioch, when they launched, they no longer came to offer sacrifices and worship. In fact, they came the very first day of the week, and the first day of the week back then was a work day, so they went to church before they went to work. Imagine that Monday morning. That's when we should start our next service, Monday morning early. That'd be awesome. But <laughs> they, they went to church, and now, now they're not going to offer sacrifices. They're not trying to try harder and be gooder, Texas. They're doing everything they can to simply come and sing songs and adore and worship the one who sacrificed for them. It reset everything. And to be a part of this kingdom of God here on earth that helps people, that loves people, that doesn't just pray for people, but works to be the answers to the prayers they're praying that has a different view. What's interesting about Antioch, something else happened in Antioch. It's 40 years after the birth of Jesus. Word is getting out about this Messiah who came and who gave his life and offers this forgiveness. And what's interesting about it is not only did they no longer sacrifice, they worshiped, but now they're a part of a movement. And you and I, You and I are here today not because some people believed something. We're here today because some people participated in something. Had they not participated, had they not dove in and given it all and said, I don't want to just enter in, but I want to live my life. I want to be identified as one who follows Jesus. He's my leader. I am a Christian and so my allegiance, my, my loyalty is to Jesus, and I want to follow the teachings of Jesus. I want to be a part of God's kingdom here on earth. Your life, my life, is far too small, far too insignificant for it to be the only thing we live for. We are invited into a bigger story, into God's story. And so what does participating look like? It looks like spending a little bit of time with God each day, reading the Bible a little bit each day, making sure that I'm talking to God in a relationship. Christian is not a religious term. It was a political term. This is who I follow. This is where my allegiance, where my obedience lies. You obey a king. And so whether you open a paper Bible or you pop on the version app. If you don't have that, by the way, it's a great app, Y-O-U version. It's free. It has all the Bible translations, has daily reading plans. Just spending a little bit of time each day because when I read the Word of God, that's how God speaks to me. When I pray, that's how I speak to God. And we're invited into this conversation where we're participating in. And as I read the Word of God, it reads me. And the more I read the Word of God, God gives me something. He transforms me on the inside through His Spirit. And that is how I'm able to be kind to people I want to punch in the throat. That is how we're able to love people that are just hard to be around. That is how we're able to tolerate people that are difficult to tolerate. But something else happened in Antioch. They stopped seeing each other as Jew and Gentile. They stopped seeing each other for the differences. 
and the things they were not alike in. We live in a world, and part of the darkness in our culture, and part of the cruelty that we deal with day by day, is we live in a world where those who are leading our nation and those who are talking in the media are daily trying to divide us, pointing out who's right, who's wrong, and all of the differences. They checked that junk at the door. When they entered in and they began to participate in, there was no black person, white person, Hispanic person, Greek person, Jewish person. There was no, it was, you know what they called each other? Brother and sister. It's a connected family. Listen, Jesus came to help us understand that every single person you and I lock eyes with is deeply loved by God. There is no one any less valuable. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter the things that you're the most ashamed of in your past. None of that matters. It's a message from the Scriptures that you and I, we need to learn to hit mute to some of the idiots in office, I mean the people in office and the things they say and how they're, they're, I've never seen in my life such a push to divide us and point out differences and this group's wrong and that group's wrong. No, 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 no. Let me help you. Every single person, no matter what they look like or where they come from, is a part of one race. It's called the human race. Every single person is deeply loved by God. And we're called in the darkness of conflict, in the darkness of division, in the midst of a whole lot of hate and anger, you and I are called to be a part of a different kind of kingdom where we love people and we value people. Even people, you ready, we disagree with. If I disagree with you about something, please understand, I don't hate you. I know you're wrong, but I'm kidding, I'm kidding. If I disagree with you, th- there are things, I understand there are things that I say from this platform that can be very offensive. I just try to make sure what I'm saying that's offensive is not me. I don't want to offend you, but if the Holy Spirit offends you, that's your problem. And so there's some truth sometimes that's difficult to hear, but don't I owe it to you? Don't I owe it to Jesus? Because the reality is when I walk onto this platform, I I do every single Sunday what I do for an audience of one. And man, I hope you like me. I hope you love me. I like you. I love you, even if we disagree about things. But at the end of the day, I do not do what I do for your approval. I do what I do for a God, and I have a responsibility to tell you the truth, sometimes the truth that other people won't tell you. We have to be willing to go to awkward places because that's where we learn and that's where we grow. And the early church was all about that, full of grace, full of truth. Not backing off on grace and having so much truth that it's obnoxious and harsh, but not being so far into grace and backing off on truth that you never tell anybody what they need to hear that's actually helpful. It's a different kind of kingdom. It's embarrassing to me how Christians act around elections. It's humiliating to me. Man, I I wish we could wrap our minds around representing our Jesus more than we represent our party. I wish we could learn, even with people that we disagree with, to be kind. See, that person that has a different philosophy or is part of a different party, and listen, politics are important. I'm not saying they're not. Like, I believe what I believe, and I believe it deeply. I, I, I believe in freedom. 
It's part of why I live in Florida, and a whole bunch of other people do too now. But, but I, 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 there's certain things that are precious to me. But what is more precious to me than convincing you about my position on certain issues, what is more precious to me is that you know Jesus and we know Jesus, and we're a part of the family of God. And the shocking thing is one day, one day I'm going to get to heaven and find out I was wrong about some things. Some of you will too, especially Giants fans. You're going to find out. when you get Good luck today, by the way. You're going to need it. But when you, when you find out, man, I wasn't. I wouldn't write about everything. And so we're called to do something Jesus did, and that is to walk in humility. That early church, they were not persecuted for what they believed. They were persecuted because of who they obeyed. If persecution broke out today, and I understand in some way it is, and we talk about persecution against the church, it it seems like today we're supposed to tolerate everything except Christians. And we're supposed to put up with everything except what Scripture teaches. It it seems like what was wrong is right and what was right is wrong. And everything is mixed up in our culture and in our society. And in the midst of that, we need to learn how to love God and love people. (laughs) Your your social media post isn't going to change anybody's mind. You just tick off a bunch of people. Like it's not going to happen. But when you build relationships, when you have conversations, when you sit down and you discuss with people things you disagree about, in a loving way, in a kind way, I've had some very challenging meetings. And in those meetings, I've learned some things. As long as you're a student, everybody's a teacher. And in those meetings, I've had the opportunity to love people I disagree with. It's a different kind of kingdom. In the dark world, when Jesus came, if you disagreed, you died. Everybody has to believe the same thing. The Roman Empire had no problem. Hey, worship whatever God you want to worship, but obey Caesar. And Jesus changes all that. He is to be worshiped, but he's also to be obeyed. So the question this morning, I think it's a profound question. I think it's a question that you, you owe it to yourself to honestly ask and answer this question in this season. Have you just entered in? You prayed a prayer and you invited a Savior to come into your life? Or do you participate in? Are you an active part of the kingdom of God here on earth? Heaven invaded earth in the birth of a baby. It is impossible since the first Christmas to separate heaven and earth. You and I, as a part of the family of God, are supposed to be the kingdom of God bringing heaven to earth. So the question that you owe it to yourself to answer is, not is he your savior? And I'm not minimizing the importance of that. That's where it all begins. The question, though, is, is he your king? Where is your allegiance? Who do you obey? In how you do marriage, do you obey culture or scripture? And how you treat people. Do you act mean and hateful like everybody else? Are you kind? And kindness doesn't mean weakness. Sometimes the kindest thing we can do is tell somebody the truth. But it's about the tone and the attitude and the mentality behind it. See, anytime I tell you something, if we disagree, what I'm telling you to the best of my ability is something that will benefit your life. Truth when shared in love, is always for the benefit of the other person. Is he 
your king. A king that came to change things. A king that came to change things so much that John chapter 1, John is older now and he's trying to figure out how, how do I describe the difference of what has taken place from the birth of the Christ, the king, the final king, the anointed one. He says, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind, available to every single person. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In your Monday through Saturday, is he your king? Is your life a light in a very dark and hurting world? The thing about light, it only takes a small light. It doesn't matter how vast the darkness is. It doesn't matter the volume of the darkness or how much or how big. A small light can be seen in the deepest darkness. It doesn't take a ton of faith. It doesn't take knowing all the answers and believing all the right stuff. It just takes a little bit of light in your life. Hey, I've entered in. I invited Jesus to come into my life and forgive my sin. But he's so much more than just a savior. Because if I miss participating in the kingdom of God, I miss the whole reason I'm left here on earth after I invite Jesus to come into my life. So don't just enter in, participate in. And I participate in by spending time with God each day. I participate in by being a light in a dark world. I don't respond to darkness with darkness. It's not about having it all together. It's about giving it all to the one who does and letting his light shine through me. So it's Christmas. But if you'll answer the question, is he your king? If you will choose to not just enter in, but to participate in the kingdom of God, December 26th will look a lot like December 25th. And January will look a lot like December. And your life will look a lot like the kingdom of God and the elevated level to which you and I have been called to live. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I am grateful for the way you love us, the sacrifices that you made, because of your deep love for every single person in this room. I pray that as we roll through the next couple of weeks, that we would, we would live a light, your light, that you would shine through us, that we would check our attitudes, our responses, our thoughts, our actions, that we would help. Maybe we can't change the world, but our world the people we interact with, the circles that we run in, to be more loving, more kind, more gracious, more forgiving. Father, it wasn't forgiven people that changed the world. It was forgivers that changed the world. It wasn't people who believed all the right things that changed the world. It was people who participated in your kingdom that have changed the world. And I pray that would be said of C3. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you know the greatest need of your life 
is to give your life to Jesus. You can't participate in until you enter in. And I can't think of a better time than today to pray a very simple prayer to invite Jesus to come into your life. But please understand when you do this, it's not just a prayer that takes care of later. It's a prayer that's supposed to impact now. So when you pray this prayer, you're entering in, but be sure you have a purpose to not only enter in but participate in. I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. I want to know Jesus in a personal way. Yes, I want to have my sins forgiven. Yes, I want to know I've got a home in heaven. But, but I want the Spirit of God in my life, in this life, to help me make a difference in this world, to help me be a light. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you'd like to pray that prayer, just pray these words. You can pray them out loud or you can pray it quietly in your heart. Just say, Dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive my sin and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. If you just prayed that prayer, we would love to know it. You can text your name to 407-487-8311 and Pastor Byron will be praying for you this week. And also, we want to thank you for your faithful generosity. You can go to giveC3.cc or you can text C3Orlando to 77977. Thank you so much for how you give. And if you are in Central Florida, please join us in person at our campus at 930 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Have a great week.